everybody. I'm Del Shores. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching the Dell and Emerson Show. <laughs> Straight talk. Real gay. Ah, hello, okay. Del Shores. All new set, all new environment. I know I'm in Natchitoches, Louisiana, and I have to tell you, I have, uh, there's, uh, in the middle of the table, I thought, oh, this is so perfect. It's the coffee tea, it's a little canister, but I didn't realize it's on a Lazy Susan, so that's why it did this. Oh, she's giving you choreography, ca camera work. It's just camera work. Yeah, so anyway, I'm here. Uh, are you hearing me okay? I, I am hearing you just fine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our new earlier time. It's a midday show now for me, early afternoon. Come on in, whether you're watching us on the Facebook, the YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter, say hello. Tell us where you're calling from. Share the broadcast with your friends and family. And to those of you who can't watch live, who will be watching it back later, hi to you all as well. We're glad that you will eventually be here. Yes, we are. I'm so glad to be that we're doing this. I was worried that we weren't going to be able to. And as you know, I made it by the skin of my teeth. We have a lot going on. And I, uh, I have to, I actually have to prepare for these classes. So I'm like pulling scenes for my actors. And, but I had a great first day here. And um, I, I'm in this very cool house that uh, has, I'll show y'all, it has a pitchfork over the um, the refrigerator, which I think is just, you know, could come in handy. You never know. That's a little disconcerting. I mean, it seems appropriate now because you can think it's like spooky Halloween, but like in April, a pitchfork over the fridge just seems a little stabbing. I, I found it, I stayed here last year when I was teaching and I, I thought, okay, I love all, oh, oh, there's a pitchfork. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> But uh, I think it's for hay, not for killing. I, I hate to th think that my mind went to, you know, that in, impaling or something. But uh, I just don't see you in a barn. Victor said, how was your fly? Oh, well, y'all want y'all want y'all want to know. <laughs> First of all, it was it, it worked. I got here starting at the end. I landed at two minutes until 12. Uh, they picked me up. My luggage was there. They drove me right to the, this place. I unpacked and I made my classes by 3.30. That's the good thing. I barely made the flight. And here's why. For some reason, uh, Uber, uh, missing, I, I, they say it was my fault. It was not my fault. I put LAX Terminal 4 and I put my address. They showed up at a different house. And then they drove me to the Ontario airport, which is not exactly close to LAX. And I was six miles away. Well, I woke up and I'm looking, I see Claremont. I go, what the fuck? And I said, I asked the Uber driver, I said, well, why, why are we going, why are we in Claremont? And he goes, well, we're going to the Ontario airport. No, 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 no. He was so amazing. He flipped that car and went 85 and 90. I was so scared that he was going to get a ticket and I would be responsible. We made it. Uh, I was actually 11 minutes before they cut you off because, you know, I am a homosexual and I packed some shit. So I had two pieces of luggage that had to get on before that 45 cutoff. I am double mask. I've got like the N95 here for my own protection. I know that it's not all that legal on 
airlines because it's you know for doctors and and stuff but then i double mask for protection of others and then i had the face shield i got yeah and i got bumped up to first but the guy next to me decided that the nose was not needed to be covered during the whole flight he just thought the nostrils know they don't they don't need to be covered and i thought you know Fuck it. I'm just going to turn away from this asshole and sleep. And I did. He was in the seat next to you? In, yeah. In, 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 he was in 5A and I was in 5B. And he had the mask down like this the entire flight. I had someone say to me the other day, I can't believe I hadn't seen Del Shores in a viral video yelling at somebody for not wearing their mask correctly. And I said, you know, I'm a little surprised too. Oh, well, okay. Since we're talking about that, today I went to Walmart. Now, don't be mad at me for shopping at Walmart. It's all that's here. It's all there is. They're all, it's, and it's like a city. It is like a city that is many, many blocks, this Walmart. So I'm going down, you know, in my cart, and I have my shield, my mask, and my shield. And these two women are coming towards me, and it's like they think I'm deaf or something, and they go, does he really need that face mask too? And I turned around and I said, yes, I do. But they didn't fight back. I was, I was ready, they, I was ready. Come on, Karen. Were they surprised? Did they didn't, they, I think they were surprised. I think they really thought I didn't hear them. I thought, no, I, I, I have really good hearing. Um, Say, just because really you talk mean. loud doesn't mean I can't hear. So, yeah, so does does he really need that fast face mask too? Oh, uh, well, all I can say is while you're down there in Louisiana for three weeks, if you get into an altercation, please just make sure you're filming. I will, okay. Uh, uh, uh. Now, Emerson, I, I'm having a little bit of a, you're cutting in and out uh, sound-wise for me. I just want to know if everybody else is hearing you and it's just me. Nobody else has said anything. So okay, good, good. You're fancy. Good. I can hear you fine. It's just, you know, a little bit. Okay, all right. That's, um, that's, that's my, my journey so far. Well, good. And while you are down in Louisiana, uh, Blake and I are still working on our show uh, for the 25th. Uh, I am having the most deliriously delightful time assembling a seven-minute Disney villains medley. So if y'all want to join, it's going to stream on YouTube. Uh, tickets are available on my website. Uh, get those and come have a good time with us. And that's it. Oh, I love it so much. I'm going to... And Emerson, is it going to be... Let me ask you... Let me ask, ask you something. Is it going to be on your Facebook for a while? Like, like No, it's, you have to buy a ticket and you can only see it on the link. Now, if you buy a ticket and you get the link, you can watch it on that link for a long time, but it is not public. Okay, this okay. Well, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to buy a ticket, but I am uh, actually teaching a class that night. So, or that, that time. So, uh, in... On, on the Zoom, on the Zoom. On the Zoom. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, y'all. Well, what we do here is the LGBTQ news nonsense, all that's important and ridiculous for you to know. And of course, we miss National Coming Out Day uh, this weekend. And I always like your little story that goes with that. But I wanted to share, it was so lovely to see both of our candidates uh, talk about coming out. It was just so refreshing to have two people that have, put their money where their mouth is for our community. And this was on Joe Biden's Instagram. Just, you know, it's just effortlessly supportive. 
Joe Biden, 10 points ahead in the polls, all the polls this morning, but we can't. We can't relax, y'all. We cannot relax. But I love that too. I love that we have people who are who are supporting us. And I'm I'm watching uh, the the hearings right now, and there are so many of our representatives who have brought up LGBT. And I'm just I, I say thank you, thank you, Amy, thank you. You know, Amy, we're just close, so I just call her. Yeah, Amy. best friends. Um, you were the yeah. one that gave her the comb for that salad. I bet. I was. Um, all right. I, well, you want to start off on the story. Oh, you want you, on our, uh, you did you want to hear my 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 coming well, no, out you, stories? You skipped on so into the into this news, so I just thought, well, let's just keep oh, going. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. My coming out story is 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 simple and 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 kind of wonderful. It took me forever to do it, but once I did it, I was pleasantly surprised how my mother reacted. She goes, "I have been waiting for this your entire life." <laughs> so that was, that was that. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't realize. I, I told you I'd only read this over once, but uh -huh. yes, I was thinking Judy Shepard. I love Judy Shepard. Y'all go to my Twitter. We I tweeted about her this morning. She's such a beautiful human. And the the hearings of Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court started yesterday, and it was also the twenty second anniversary of the death of Matthew Shepard. His mother, Judy, was on MSNBC and said her first reaction to Amy Coney Barrett's nomination was a fear. If we have a court that is so set on not helping marginalized communities achieve equality, I think we're in trouble. When asked what she would say to her, uh, Judy said, parent to parent, mom to mom, I would say, Amy, if your child comes out as gay, I hope you understand that that's who they are. It's not a choice, it's nothing you did, it's who they are. People are people and I would hate to think that you would reject one of your children because they happen to be gay. We're all humans trying to fight for the same thing which is acceptance and a good life and safety in our workplace and in our homes. I hope that she would recognize that as a human being. So just lovely, lovely just, as always. I mean, and you know, someone who in her own journey, right, did not have to become the advocate that she has become, you know, such a shining light in our community that after a, an unimaginable tragedy, she's mm. chosen to continue to step up and st stand in the gap for our community ever since. Um, and that's just so inspiring. Yeah, she, she, and she continues. I mean, they, you follow her on, on, on Twitter and the Matthew Shepard Foundation because, I mean, there's some right now, Glad is tweeting about her. And I mean, she had a wonderful, you go to my Twitter and you see a beautiful letter that she wrote in 2018 um, to um, LGBT kids. And it's just, she's just got a heart. I love her so much. That's, yep. And with these hearings happening, you know, Amy Coney Barrett this morning, very clearly intentionally talked about our community saying uh, sexual preference rather than orientation, leaning into it's a choice. It's a thing that everybody chooses. Uh, I think setting up for her to be on the side of undoing marriage equality and various things for our community uh, if she gets confirmed. Because someone that works in the law does not choose words accidentally. You know, now it's like your grandma that still says sexual preference. You know, what is that your sexual preference? Mm -hmm. um, somebody that works in the legal field doesn't say that phrase unless they're trying to deny sexual orientation 
um, because that's the protected class that we've tried so hard to ensure uh, people are protected by when we say sexual orientation and gender identity. So she's out there saying it on purpose. And here's what I think, Emerson, and I don't know how you're feeling about this, but what I got this morning is I thought, you know what? She's easy to like. She seduces you for just a second. It's not like, you know, with Ted Cruz, he comes on and you just hate that motherfucker. Lindsey Graham, the same way I just go, I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. Chuck Grassley, you kind of creep me out, but you're not horrible. You're like an old grandpa that has hair in his ears. But she seems lovely. She seems like somebody. She's those danger, the, the most dangerous of all because she refuses to address some of the things that she has said or or even made judgments about in the past. She's, oh, no, 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 it has to be individual, blah, 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 blah. I think she's very, very dangerous. Absolutely. Well, it's very much all those people I grew up with. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin. Honey, I don't have hate in my heart for you, but just like the Lord, I have hate for that sin that is dragging you down to the depths of hell, you know, where hell's mm-hmm. two syllables. So, yeah, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Uh, Nicholas said he's in Sweden and that the earlier time helps him. It's nine in the evening there. So he gets to, he's actually able to watch because when we did it later, it's the middle of the night for him. Oh, so Nicholas, I was (laughs) from Sweden. Nicholas, there's no O. Oh, Nicholas, Um, Uh I... I was reading all about your country and COVID and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. The, what ha- has happened there. So just, uh-huh. just know that I've been reading about it. Interesting. interesting. Continuing <laughs> on the SCOTUS hearings. Um, I hope y'all have seen some of the clips lately of Pete Buttigieg reminding everyone why so many people fell in love with him in that first town hall so long ago now who had not heard of him. Uh, because he was live on the air on MSNBC this weekend for National Coming Out Day when they released the early notes of Amy Coney Barrett's statement, uh, her opening statement. They often do that. Here's what the statement's going to be so people can report on it. So the host just read to him live part of her statement, said, courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. The policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches elected by and accountable to the people. The public should not expect courts to do so and courts should not try. A judge must apply the law as written, not as the judge wishes it were. Now, Buttigieg, hearing this for the first time, first thoughts was just, and what do you think, Pete? And he said, what I see in there is a pathway to judicial activism cloaked in judicial humility. I mean, the man has a way with words. At the end of the day, rights in this country have been expanded because courts have understood what the true meaning of the letter of the law and the spirit of the constitution is. That's not about time traveling yourself back to the 18th century and subjecting yourself to the same prejudices and limitations as the people who write these words. The constitution is a living document because the English language is a living language. And you need to have some readiness to understand that in order to serve on the court in a way that will actually make life better. It was actually Thomas Jefferson himself who said that we might as well ask a man to still wear the coat which fitted him when he was a boy as expect future generations to live under what he called the regime of their barbarous ancestors. So even the founders thought that these kind of dead hand originalists claim fidelity to understood better than their ideological descendants. Today's judicial so-called conservatives 
the importance of keeping with the times. And we deserve judges and justices who understand that. <laughs> that was just off the cuff. He just had that Thomas Jefferson quote locked and loaded. And I don't know if y'all have seen, because probably none of you watch Fox News here, but he's been on Fox News just slapping stuff down left and right. He is turning out to be such an incredible Daniel in the lion's den, if you will, um, over there, biblical reference, since we're talking about the Bible, uh, just doing amazing things. He just calmly and clearly eviscerates ridiculous arguments. Okay, so biblical trivia, now that you brought up Daniel uh -huh. in the lion's den, who were those other people that in that lion's den? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at you, little Sunday school maven that you are. I bet you were very good at um, at Bible drill too. Oh, I was hey. good at Bible drill. I was good at Bible trivia. Oh, that's and and I guarantee you, it's been twenty years since I thought those three names, and they just roll out of you. But I but but as you came out, I I would suspect that ready draw swords has uh, has changed oh, yes. its meaning. Sword fighting bit. is a very different. You know, sword fighting is now not two Bibles held opposite each other, ready to open. It's when two tops try to have sex. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, is uh, that wait, you? You we have a bunch of people. Wait, we have a bunch of people who are dropping in just to say hi because they're at work. And we appreciate y'all. And we know you'll go back and watch the show later. Um, and we appreciate everyone indulging. Yes, and Coleman, Coleman is actually close to me here in Louisiana. We might have to have a social distant outdoor restaurant visit, Coleman. Uh, he's my old buddy from Shreveport. Uh, did you finish that story? I thought there was I more. Did. Okay. I, stopped, I did. You just kind of like cut it short. Well, uh, see, I caught us up and now talking about it got us back behind. So you could go ahead and go on. You know what, Emerson? I'm here in Louisiana and I'm just with all these Southerners who just kind of go slower than, than we do in California. So fuck you. Uh, I'm right. not close to that pitchfork right now. Yes, right. I'm just kidding. When I say fuck you, I say it with love. All right. Uh, a new poll shows that likely voters in 10 key states overwhelmingly support LGBTQ equality, including those supporting Trump. I know, I'm gonna take a moment so y'all can compose yourselves. The poll run by Heart Research Associates and HRC breaks down data from 400 likely vote voters in Arizona, Florida, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Iowa, North Carolina, Ohio, and Texas, respectively, across the board, Voters expressed support of marriage equality, adoption rights, and transgender military service. Texas was the only, <laughs> the only state where voters indicated a negative attitude. Our home state, Emerson, uh, shocker, shocker, that, uh, towards any LGBTQ uh, equality question, 49% did not support. We do not, oh, no, we do not. We do not support laws that let businesses turn away LGBTQ customers because of their religious beliefs. We do not. Uh -uh. Um, among uh, uh, Trump voters, at least 60% in each state said they felt transgender people should be able to live freely and openly. I guess as opposed to putting them in camps or something. Uh, and 87, I guess that 40% did not feel they should live openly. Uh, and 80%, I know 87% or more supported transgender access to medical care. 
13% said absolutely not, no medical care. I mean, it, I, I'm sorry, but these are good statistics, but it's still frightening that there are those who feel they do not deserve medical care, the trans yeah. community. Yeah. Um, so by margins of three to one, voters in every state favored a Supreme Court justice who has a record of protecting and advancing legal rights for LGBT, LGBTQ people, but not in Texas. Uh-uh, no, no, not here. Struggle. Sometimes, uh, you know, people say, well, why did you leave Texas? I say, oh, it's a great place to grow up, except for the, you know, the bigotry and the racism and the homophobia. But other than that, it's just wonderful. And fun. And, you know, but, I, you know, we, it was great. I loved it because you found that and shared that with me. Um, and I think that's really important because it does show that nationally and in the conservative part of the country and the conservative wing of the parties, there is a lot of movement in opinions on LGBTQ issues, but the party platform is still pandering to the most extreme people. Uh, wait, y'all, it looks like, does everybody else see Dell frozen? This is suddenly like the greatest thing. It's like, I'm just doing a monologue, but I can pretend that he's here. Um, <laughs> is he frozen on y'all's screen? Because now I'm just doing the show by myself. Um, but I am gonna keep talking because he'll probably bounce out and try to load back in. Um, because the party needs to be in step with the majority of these voters that these polls show us. And until they do, it is still on conservative voters and conservative people uh, to hold the party accountable and push them forward on those issues. Welcome to the Emerson Show. I'm doing it by myself. Um, <laughs> Y'all, he was so excited he got there. He plugged his ethernet in. Uh, to make sure it all works. So I'm sure he'll be back in a minute and I'll be in the middle of doing this next story and he will not think about how I've continued the show and he will just interrupt to tell us the story of what happened. But in the meantime, I'm going to move on uh, because this next story is for me anyway. Because, you know, I see a lot of times LGBTQ people get obsessed with another liberal or neoliberal or centrist LGBTQ person and say, they're the worst person in the world. They're talking about some terrible, stupid thing that's like benign. And yeah, maybe it's dumb, but it's not really worth the entire queer internet getting upset about it for the day. And we don't pay attention to what the LGBTQ conservatives are doing. Because there was an event that happened this weekend and I didn't see it on any of the LGBTQ news sites that I use for our stories yet. And I think it's worth talking about. This weekend, a new organization for LGBTQ conservatives called Get Outspoken hosted its own, its first annual pride party in Nashville. Um, Del just sent me a text. I don't know what happened. Seems like my internet is not working now. I'm gonna tell him, it's fine. I can do a monologue. I've been preparing for this for years. Uh, text me when your internet's back. You can play in the comments till then. Um, <clears throat> so they hosted a conservative, basically pride party in Nashville, open bar, entertainment, limited spots. Now this could be whatever, but that broke back Patriot guy, we did a story on a while back was there. So was Brandon Straka, who you might remember us doing the story about him getting on an airplane and refusing to wear a mask and then getting banned by American Air Airlines. Well, 
He's kind of the Candace Owens of the LGBTQ community. He was liberal three years ago, and I think he just realized he could get more attention and be more famous with a grift uh, by being one of the conservative gays, so to speak, because these are the kind of like trolly things that he tweets. Alex tweets, reminder that if Trump wins, gay marriage will be overturned. Brandon says, hi, Alex. Thanks for your heroism fighting to preserve my rights. Trump's been POTUS for almost four years. I've lost no rights. No gay person has lost rights. And my life is way better than it was. Perhaps a better use of your time would be saving blacks from the impending return of slavery. So he's that kind of like gay conservative troll. Then he tweets to Joe Biden on coming out day. Many of us in the LGBTQ community are Trump supporters. We've been ostracized, bullied, slandered, fired, canceled by your voting base. Joe Biden, in keeping with your promise to fight for all of us to be able to live without fear, will you declare that it's okay to be an LGBT Trump supporter? So he's that kind of troll. Well, he was there this weekend, along with our favorite, Dell's favorite, and I'm sad he's not back with us to be able to continue this. Richard Gaslight Grinnell was also there. Now, Get Outspoken's website says that a culture war has grown a significant and visible community of LGBTQ conservatives who support freedom and diversity of thought only to be rejected by the mainstream media and the intersectional left. While left-wing political structures strive to silence or belittle our voices, we rise to provide an alternative viewpoint. We amplify our voices to reach out to mainstream gays and lesbians looking for a common sense community ready to support one another, not pit one faction against each other. Then they posted this photo of them having a phone call with Donald Trump. Oh, <clears throat> he's about to be back, but hold on, I'm having such a fun time uh, with this <laughs> with this monologue. I'm gonna show you this uh, photo before I bring Delford back. So see, this is them. What an incredible weekend in Nashville, get outspoken. This is a photo of real Donald Trump on the phone with outspoken leaders tonight in Nashville. Now, they talk to Donald Trump. I don't see anywhere where these white gays, if you'll notice, that's all that's in that photo, talking to Donald Trump, asked him that they were concerned that at the very least they would lose their marriage rights with the Supreme Court. They don't seem all that concerned about that. And I'll bring Dell back in and then show you the, fin the final photo because it involves Richard Grinnell. Oh, welcome back. I had to change locations, uh, so I'm a little hot. It looks like... Yeah, you are. Stop bragging about it. Uh, but finishing up on these and this pride, uh, Richard Grinnell posted this photo of him the next day. And he said, it just happened, just just so happened uh, that he was with the Get Outspoken crowd when, look, a small group of gay conservative men came together to unite in a pledge to support Donald Trump. Richard Grinnell and I got on to, to speak for the first time, and then President Trump called us on the phone. And Grinnell said the next day, today VP Mike Pence and Karen Pence called me, and I happened to be with some of the Get Outspoken Gay Conservative game. So we all got to thank the VP for his leadership. Not worried about that AIDS crisis that outbroke the HIV outbreak in Indiana when he was governor. He wanted to say hello and thank us for our work to reelect Donald Trump. So y'all, sometimes when we're like worried about some insta-gay who said like a dumb thing, we should be paying attention to these gay conservatives pandering as the like best gay friend. Because you may not know who they are, but Brandon Straka, Richard Grinnell, they're getting 11,000 retweets. 
because there's lots of gay conservatives who can point to them and say, look, I support the gays, not on the platform, not in the Supreme Court, not with Amy Coney Barrett, but still they're like the token gay that lets the conservatives feel like they're not doing anything bad for our community. Welcome back, Dell. Yeah, I'm sorry about okay. that. What's that? Do you feel like I did okay without you? I, th I think you must have. I tell you what, I'm gonna be very honest. What happened is that stupid, lazy Susan, uh, it, it so the, it turned, my computer fell, and I think my connection that plugs from my ethernet into my computer is now broken for the second time. That's the second time I've broken one. So I will have to order from Amazon today and be back on Friday for y'all. So, oh, oh, the struggle. I'm, this is what we go through y'all to bring you this show. But I'm just on my regular internet now which huh? does not work in the kitchen. That's why I'm in the living room. So y'all, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Where are we? Where are we? You are at, if you will move right on to the Trump, uh, the Trump campaign, because it ties right into what I just finished. Uh, the, 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 the Trump campaign. Uh, today, it just says today at 426. 426. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, today, the photo today. Uh, and the Trump campaign is trying to get the LGBT voters without the crazy conservative noticing. So uh, my, uh, Michelangelo Signorelli, who we love, posted a, co a copy of an invite for a Trump pride uh, rally in Pennsylvania today with Laura Trump and uh, Richard Asshole Grinnell. That's his middle name. Uh, wow. He tweeted, look at this closeted event in which neither gay nor LGBTQ is mentioned trump himself is not involved the whole thing is in code pride is in rainbow letters they've not announced it anywhere lest the religious riot find out meanwhile they're trying to put a woman on the supreme court who will destroy marriage equality so so that, so that's what and it ties in with what i was talking about we can't let the gay conservatives, because it is almost exclusively gay, not like bi, trans, and it's almost, and it's very predominantly white as well, because their rights aren't an issue. Uh, we have to be paying attention to what they're doing over there. And to me, that's worth much more of our time than some of the nonsense, you know, we get obsessed with within our own, our own side of things. Um, we can't be letting them get away with, with what I think is Richard Grinnell setting up to run for Senate, Congress, governor of California, something while not holding the party they're a part of accountable. Well, what was interesting to me about also these hearings, Emerson, is hearing that it is literally in the Republican platform to overturn gay marriage. It's literally in the over in 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 there's so many things, abortion, uh, uh, you know, to overturn Roe versus Wade, so many things in this platform. But to think that it is in a platform of a party that you, Richard motherfucking Grinnell supports, it just is it just ang angers me so much. I just would love to He's he I, I'd throw a drink in his face, I think, if I saw him in a bar. I just I mean, I, he irritates me more than anybody, I think. Anybody yeah. on the on, on the right. Well, because it's also because he, Brandon Straka, so many of these people, they're grifters also. They're taking advantage of the fact that they're one of the only people in the conservative space. You know, they are like Candace Owens. Who keeps calling? All right, I'm gonna go on. Um keep going. It, so, in catching up, um, a, a, a sad story, but a life that we want to highlight. 
Um, just recently, uh, it was shared that, there she is, uh, a, a very important trans pioneer, Monica Roberts, uh, passed away recently. She was a massive loss for our community. Um, she was an activist and a blogger. The Black Trans Advocacy Coalition posted on Thursday, it's with great sadness that the BTAC family has received notice of the passing of Monica Roberts, our sister, mm. aunt, and friend. Please keep Monica's soul, uh, friends and family in your prayers that they all may find comfort and peace at this time of separation. We love you, Monica, fly high angel. She was based in Houston. She founded her blog, Transgrad, <clears throat> 15 years ago. Uh, she has received numerous awards for her work, the Susan J. Hyde Award for Longevity in the Movement at Creating Change, HRC's John Walzell Equality Award, and special recognition for her blog at the GLAAD Media Awards. So truly at the forefront of really focusing on trans news, the trans women of color that were being murdered. Um, and so sending love uh, to her family and friends Absolutely. and love for our community. Um, and as we reach the center point of our show that we are working desperately to bring to you from multiple cities now, we work hard to bring you an informative and entertaining show. If you want to toss us a few dollars to support our efforts, you can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. It's in the ticker below. Um, but don't give us any money that you're going to miss. That's right. And we appreciate all that all of you who have supported us, we appreciate it. I, I really do want to apologize uh, for my phone going off. And We don't care. Just tell the next story. It's just, uh, I, I, I usually am more prepared. Uh, you let me say my piece. Uh, but I um, I was rushing today and I apologize. So Fiona. Hey, do that. Bill is really like, he flew that midnight flight, drove in, went directly to teach class. We are having huge things in our work life happen that we can't share with you yet, but that are very exciting. So like, I'm just sitting here alone in my apartment, putting together the story and he barely had time to read through it. But it was him who wanted us to be able to continue doing this while he's teaching. Um, so I joke and I kid, and I'm incredibly grateful for his partnership in this and having this outlet to share with all of you. All right. Well, he got he knew he knew to straighten that all out. Uh, hey, Y'all can tell I got a little close to the line, didn't I? You did serious, not. We, we love this. We love yeah, doing. We this. absolutely do. And you, Emerson, you never get even even close to the line. We we joke and and it's all in fun. And I I adore you as well. So I love this story, by the way. Uh, Fiona Fiona, an eleven year old, was riding on sidewalks outside houses that had. Donald Trump campaign signs in their yards, and she got caught by one man who ratted her out to her mom. Now, her sister took to Twitter to laugh about it, saying, y'all, y'all. So apparently my sister, who has been writing things like BLM, ACAB, and fuck Trump on sidewalks in front of, she's 11, in front of people's houses who have Trump signs, and this dude put it up a camera to catch who it is. Well, imagine his surprise to find out it's this little 11-year-old lesbian with blue hair on a bike. My mom was hollering when she came, when he came angrily to the door in his MAGA hat. Oh God, this scene, I want to write this scene. And he explained how he caught the culprit, caught the culprit of such crimes. After seeing the response the next day, her sister clarified, yes, it was sidewalk chalk. Uh, she got a talking to, they're so Southern, and about treating people with respect 
uh, but applauded for using her voice. That's good parenting, y'all. And um, words in themselves are not bad, just the context with which she got talked to about using fuck in that way. She's grounded for this, but my mom said it's hard to keep her grounded with all the support that's going on <laughs> on social media. The internet went crazy supporting Fiona, and her sister came back to say, y'all did it based on the, <laughs> the latest Twitter resort. It looks like Princess Fiona is no longer grounded. The people have, hashtag the people have spoken. When some Trump supporters showed up to talk about LGBTQ people are condemned mom's parenting. Um, mom weighed in and tweeted, go ahead and question my parenting. I've got five daughters. Bring it. <laughs> my God. It is such a great story. I love this family so much at every level. The sister being entertained by it. Fiona out there with her chalk in front of Trump houses and the mom that's like, bite me. I'm a good mom. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit. I've told you this story, Emerson, where one of my daughter Caroline's uh, little lesbian friends uh, went to uh, uh, Borders Books in Studio City and moved all the Bibles into the fiction, <laughs> fiction <Yeah>. section <laughs> and got in trouble. And I yeah. said, I would, I would not have punished her. <laughs> uh, you would not. I know. You would not. She wouldn't have been grounded in the first place. I would have given her 10 bucks and here, go spend some money. <laughs> um, all right, y'all. I want to chat about uh, lockdown fatigue for a minute. As we talk about this story, you know, a number of photos and videos made the rounds this weekend of unofficial Atlanta Pride events, clearly not following social distancing or guidelines. It's really important to note all of Atlanta Pride's official events were virtual. These were unofficial done by other parties outside. Georgia Boy Events organized several unofficial events and circuit parties, including a Saturday night party at the Underground Atlanta Mall and an event at District Atlanta. It has been said that the events were advertised to have pro protocols in place to support social distancing and wearing masks, but an anonymous attendee sent a statement to the advocate saying the pandemic guidelines were not being enforced at the event, which was packed with hundreds of guests to overcapacity at times. And at one of the events on the early Sunday morning, not really related to the pandemic protocols, but um, a 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. circuit party, a man died and it took 30 minutes before an ambulance arrived attempted to resuscitate him. His partner said he had consumed ecstasy. There were no MTs at the event. The staff seemed unprepared to handle it. Bars in Georgia are permitted to be open, but the state has released guidelines that require safety measures like reduced capacity and seated patrons when possible. Organizers of temporary events that have over 50 people must ensure that social distancing is maintained between groups of non-cohabitating persons. It's very clear from the photos that they were not being. And, you know, I want to like, you know, we can't assume we know everything when we see photos of what people are doing, you know, because they are, guidelines are different in different states now. Someone's park or beach may be different. And if you're following local guidelines, great. But let's be honest, we can see a photo of a bunch of men, sweaty men up against each other and know y'all are not working in the best interests of everyone's health. I'm just appalled. And I love, you know, I love my Atlanta boys. I love them all. I mean, we've, we've had so many ama amazing events, but, you know, we had to cancel a uh, screening of Sorted Lives without, um, out on film there. And we, 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 they did the responsible thing. So it's just, uh, it's, it's very sad to see this happen. And 
you know, related to, you know, because lockdown fatigue is real. We are staring down the, like, this is probably going to be months and months more if, if, it, if it spikes with the winter flu season. Um, and I re was reading somebody talking about how shaming people doesn't work when it comes to healthcare. You know, it doesn't work for cigarettes. It doesn't work for alcohol. It certainly doesn't work for HIV because it contributes to stigma and people don't get tested. But I think there's a little difference here when we talk about the kind of people that show up at a 3 a.m. circuit party. That's not essential workers. That's not people that have been stuck at home by themselves and want to like gather on a beach or in a park. You know, these are most likely privileged people who are just tired of playing by the rules. Yeah. That, you know, um, I do think we should take care of each other with lockdown fatigue and be aware that we probably can't always assume we know what someone's doing in their life based on an Insta story of a photo of a patio. But this feels fundamentally different to me. And the, it's a failure on the part of the party hosts and of the attendees once it was clear that it's like we're not behaving correctly. Like you might show up thinking maybe I can go to this and it'll be okay because we wear masks. We'll dance six feet apart. Like you need to bail at that point. Get out. Yeah, I think also, Emerson, that what happens is I, I, I know that that for me, I have to remind myself daily that this is real, this is serious, that this is awful because here we're living our lives. It's like, you know, today I, you know, to go to Walmart, I walked out without a mask and I had to turn around and come get my mask because just for a moment, it went out of my head that we are, that, that there is this pandemic. And last night I'm teaching and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how can I be safe with my kids? How can I direct acting? How can they be on stage with their co-stars and still be safe? And it's it, it's a reminder on a daily basis, but we have to know, we, we have to, I mean, we're gonna get to a story in a second where, you know, some asshole was like, no, it's not real. Well, it's real to him now, let me tell you. Well, and also, you know, I, I was reading a doctor, a sociologist and medical professional who said, it's not realistic to think that if this goes on and on and on, that people just aren't gonna go anywhere and aren't gonna do anything. Well, um, we're gonna have to get to basically like the safer sex version of like masks and distancing, but it's important that we we really examine those protocols and then yeah, and then hold each other accountable. But I do think I do. I'm sorry, I do fall into the camp that a little bit of shame for a certain kind of person is healthy. You know, yeah, I'm not I talking about too. somebody who's got to go to work and people who like need to see somebody that haven't been out of their house in six months. I'm talking about white homosexuals at 4 a.m. in the morning doing ecstasy and wanting to rub up on each other. We can still, we, we will all survive mentally and sexually healthy without that for months more. Absolutely. All right, well, let's, let's, let's travel on to our Senate spotlight today, which is on Iowa and Teresa Greenfield. I've been following her. She's going to, uh, hopefully going to unseat you. Uh, Joni Ernst, who just yesterday accused Democrats of attacking Amy uh, Coney Barrett's faith in the hearing when no Democrat has ever even mentioned it at that point. Greenfield grew up on a farm, became a young widow when her husband was killed on the job and survived with the help of social security benefits. She worked as an urban planner and is in real estate development and is a military mom. She believes healthcare is right, uh, is a right and speaks strongly on racial justice issues and supports the Equality Act. Yes, ma'am. And to volunteer or donate, just go to www.greenfieldforiowa.com. It's right there on your screen. Um, and today, I have to tell you, she is four points ahead, but that's not enough, y'all. 
let's not forget 2016. That is not Absolutely. enough. Absolutely, we are not we are not risking anything anywhere or getting settled. And in our LGBTQ spotlight, I'm adding somebody that wasn't on my list because some bullshit happened in his race. Roger Montoya is running for New Mexico's House of Representatives. Well, a right wing media source posted last week that Montoya had worked in gay porn, trying to add shock value, listing his porn name and titles. Well, Montoya isn't dropping out, thank God. His campaign put out a statement saying he appeared in two adult films as a 22-year-old while a struggling college student and dancer in LA nearly 40 years ago in a very difficult, different time and climate. He says, I'm not proud of that choice as I was young and naive, but those experiences helped me to understand the exploitation young people face. Those experiences do not reflect who I am, and they are insignificant in the scope of my life's work, yet they helped inspire my dedication to my community and the work I do to make sure that youth have, have opportunities, support, and confidence. Now, on the, on the let's know this man, Montoya is 59, a community organizer, the co-founder of Moving Arts Española, a youth center that focuses on arts, music, and dance. He's HIV positive, diagnosed in 89 while a professional dancer in New York, and he now helms HIV education classes. He was named a CNN hero in 2019 for his work. So obviously this man has lived a life and done tons. He said, I'm proud of the nonprofits I founded and the work they are doing today to inspire our community, to provide food and shelter to our homeless, to feed and nourish and address chronic substance abuse. I'm proud to have worked alongside so many in this community to bring change for the better and nothing will change that. I trust the voters to make a better choice because we have so much at stake this November. And I think the best response, the Victory Fund, who is who I learn about LGBTQ candidates from, tweeted, we call on Republican House District 40 candidate Justin Salazar Torres to reveal whether he's ever watched a pornographic film. And to volunteer donate, go to Roger Montoya for NM.com. And I just want to say one thing. I actually hate that he even had to say that he was embarrassed about it. You know, that he, that he had to say that doesn't reflect who I am. What if it does? What if 40 years ago you did two porn films? You know, I wish our culture could even move beyond shaming sex work. All the people right now who are surviving the pandemic with OnlyFans, I hope that that's just changing. If you've ever watched porn, you don't get to shame anybody for doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Ye who without Sin cast the first stone. I believe exactly. that's the scripture that oh, we can and embrace. I want to tell y'all, in my little campaign to flip the Senate and focus on LGBTQ candidates, where you can contribute to all twenty of these campaigns at, campaigns at once, it's up over twenty two hundred dollars. I appreciate y'all support. All right. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, the the story that I was hinting at, eighty year old minister uh, John Hagee has preached a lot of homophobia. He called Hurricane Katrina God's wrath for New Orleans, allowing uh -huh. queer people to prosper. During the fight for marriage equality, he claimed that God will destroy LGBTQ people as he did in the biblical myth, I love that he said biblical myth, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And after the uh, SCOTUS decision, uh, he said, this Supreme Court has made America the new Sodom and Gomorrah. God will have to judge America or he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. We are at that place where God is asking the church, who is on the Lord's side? 
and then I bet they burst into song. So back in June, uh, talking about the pandemic, Hagee accused the U.S. news media of trying to, he's trying to, they're trying to terrorize American citizens into submission. He also compared the pandemic to the rise of the Antichrist and claimed that the government had pressured doctors to exaggerate the scope and danger of COVID-19 outbreak, claiming that Christians have a right, to, <laughs> I can't keep doing this, have a right to, con- to defy social distancing and mask protocols in the name of religious freedom. I'm sure you're seeing where this is going. <laughs> so his son, Matt, uh, sure, short for Matthew, biblical name, uh, told the congregation at uh, the Cornerstone Church last Sunday, Pastor Hagee has been diligent throughout this entire COVID pandemic to monitor his health. Well, except for the masking problem that he so clearly said that he didn't believe in. And this past Friday, he was informed by his doctors that he did. Wait a second. I have to do that without uh, cheering, without the, the happy face. Uh-huh. He did test positive for COVID. It was, it was uh, one, discovered very early. And uh, two, his medical team has him under watchful care. And three, and three, <laughs> he's feeling well enough to be frustrated by anyone in a white coat with a stethoscope. <laughs> oh, you idiots. Um, I like that you, <laughs> I mean, that's my schadenfreude, karma, all the things. Also, like, I, he is that cartoon bigot. But you're supposed to make that face when you say he got the COVID. Did you see the clip? You probably didn't because you're working seven jobs. Of Anderson Cooper last night when the Trump rally was shown and the news reporter said that they were playing the, the, the village people's macho, macho man in the background. And Anderson's face went like this. I mean, he did the best I am thinking, trying not to like let the corners of my mouth go up in giggling. And I loved it. I don't know if it was that one where they were asking all of them questions as they're coming out. And the woman, there was one woman, of course, she said, well, if it's the Lord's will for me to go, it's my time. I'm going to be here to support our president. And then the other guy who goes, oh, no, the numbers are going down. And the reporter goes, well, actually, they're not going down. Well, I haven't seen that. He goes, well, have you seen the news? (laughs) It's just like ignorance. And also, you know, if she says it's my time, it's my time. Go ahead and let it be your time. I think we should let it go ahead. Go on. We don't want to keep you. I want we. It's like when you're trying to get off the phone with somebody, and you're you know in that southern way. Well, I don't want to keep you. And what I mean is, I want to go. I'm done with this. It's like when I used to say about Pat Robertson when he said, "I just can't wait." to meet Jesus. And I go, go, go. go. Hurry up. He's waiting for you. Go, Pat. Just go. Hurry up. You know, I can turn this real dark right now, but I won't. Uh, Because y'all, I know that these, um, there's, we have to do a lot of serious news because between the election and the Senate hearings, there's a lot of really important stuff happening for our community. And of course, marginalized people as at at large. Uh, But we're going to roll through some fun things to wrap it up. We do look for the comedy. I found this next one and y'all, I am just tickled pink by this story as a whole. I'm gonna show you this device. Now, there is an internet enabled chastity belt called the Cellmate Chastity Cage. It retails for $189. 
such what you're seeing on the screen. If you are not familiar with a chastity device like this, the way it works is you put your dick in it, put the shaft down where the shaft hole is, clamp it behind your balls, then you're locked in. Well, this one, the reason it costs $190, comes with an app and Bluetooth. So you can use a smart smartphone to lock it, or you can give someone else control of it. That's part of the kink, right? You let someone else control when you can be locked or unlocked from your chastity cage. Well, Pin testers partners on YouTube found a way to break into the app because there's a bug that would let someone else hack the product and lock everybody that has one in. So no matter who you are and where you are, if you have it on, they could lock you in and you could not get out of it. The developer of the product has reportedly fixed it, but anyone still using the old version of the app is at risk. Y'all, there is no manual unlock, key or override. So if you get stuck in it, you would have to cut through the steel bar where the balls are to get off of it. And I just could not imagine that that would go well. This is why I don't read your part of the story so I can react appropriately. And I mean, y'all. I have so many questions. <laughs> we have brought chastity kink into the modern age. No judgment. Good for you. If you like the delayed gratification of Gimwood and what someone else controlling your penis, go for it. But they made an app and someone else could hack it and you could be stuck in it forever. Oh my goodness. Stop. All right. It, wait, it, wait, it before you do that. Oh my God. It looks like something you'd hook up to pull an Airstream. <laughs> So if you have one of those, y'all, oh make sure you got the good app. Okay, yes. If you're, yeah, g g grab it. It's only $189. Right. So, all right. In, uh, in New Orleans, an uh, eyewitness was strolling in past a church on September the 30th at around 11 p.m. They saw lights on and stopped to check it out, as you do when you pass the church in New Orleans. Oh, Through the glass door, the person saw the priest having sex with two dominatrix uh, dressed in leather corsets and boots on top of the altar. Plastic sex toys littered the floor. A camera was set up to record the unholy encounter. And the eyewitness also took a video and called the Pearl River police who arrived at the church and viewed that recording. Officers then arrested a Reverend Travis Clark, uh, pastor of St. Paul, Peter and Paul, since 2019 on obscenity charges. The two women, Mindy Dixon and Melissa Chang were also arrested for obscene acts that occurred on the altar, while uh, which is clearly uh, visible from the street. It was later reported that the day before the threesome, um, Mindy Dixon bragged on social media about going to the New Orleans area to defile a house of God. Archbishop uh, Gregory Amon said Clark's behavior was unacceptable, sinful and cannot be tolerated. No shit, uh, Archbishop. Uh, his obscene behavior is deplorable. His uh, de desecration of the altar in the church was demonic. Uh, the Archbishop added that the altar, okay, upon which the acts took place has been removed from the church and burned. <laughs> And he said, we have many good priests and I regret that they are embarrassed by the actions of a few. Our focus as we move forward is to continue to the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
I love so many things about that story. Like, y'all, this was clearly not the first video this priest made when he was like, you know what? I'm gonna get these two dominatrices and we go fuck on this altar. Like this, there is a series and I would like to know where we can watch those that led up to this. I don't think you start with bisexual BDSM on the altar. I don't think that's your first video. Oh um, my God. <laughs> and then they burned the altar. They burned they, it. Oh, it's like, it's sort of like they, the altar became an all, you know how it became a burning altar. It became a burning. <laughs> get the marshmallow. I know I should get so much pleasure out of that story. <laughs> I can't help it. Also, okay. I feel like it's a little judgy that they got arrested because I feel like this woman walking by at 11 o'clock at night just saw a light and it and she had to run up to look in and see it. I feel like it's a little iffy how like public this was. I mean, I get why it's offensive to the archbishop, but that's his problem. You can defrock him. Right. But, the arrests seem a little judgy. All right. <laughs> I, <don't know>. just... <laughs> I just loved it. I mean, burning Maybe. the altar. And then without a hint of irony saying, we've got a lot of other good priests. I'm like, you got a lot of priests that are doing a lot worse than these people consensually having a little BDSM sex on the altar. Just saying. <laughs> They're not hurting anybody. Whew. All right. Uh, all right, well, y'all, I just, we had this other little video. I just wanted to share, you know, we're all going through a lot. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I'm trying to take care of myself. I hope you can tell my mental health is doing well. My pills are working. But y'all be take care of yourselves because I know we all feel like we're at the end of a rapidly fraying rope. Um, and I found this video of this woman. It's quick, short, and sweet, but it sure seemed like she summed up how all of us are feeling a little bit right now. And I want to play her for y'all because it just made my heart smile um, I, to make sure the audio is good. Okay. Now, here she is. It is short and sweet. She is on the porch of her house. And these were her thoughts. Black lives do fucking matter. Science is real. Love is love, bitch. Gay pride. Women's rights is human rights. And the virus is not a hoax. Coronavirus! Okay, in case it was a little bit soft, what she said was, uh, literally the whole thing, black lives do fucking matter, science is real, love is love, bitch, gay pride, okay? Women's rights is human rights, and the virus is not a hoax. Coronavirus! And I thought, you know what? That just sums it all up. That just sort of sums it all up. Where who we are is she shouting right at? Now. I couldn't figure it out, Emerson. Who was she shouting at? Just the neighborhood. She's just letting everybody know. She, she's letting everybody know. She's like, this is just where I'm at, y'all. This is my. This is the cliff notes of my heart. I think she started drinking and had some things on her mind. <laughs> but I mean, I get it. I really do. I was like, that's kind of where, let's just drill it down to the core point. Science is real. Black lives matter. Love is love. The virus is not a hoax. The end. Good. There you go. Um, well, y'all, we are really grateful. If uh, And I want to say a huge thank you to Jiggs and Leanne uh, for your tips today and Victor. Um, and if you want to send us a tip, you can on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to BeerColinsShoresProductions at gmail.com. I almost was going to say if someone tipped $190, I would order one of those chastity devices and wear it during the show, but I won't. You, you'll model it? Uh-uh. <laughs> Not model it, but like let someone control it, but I won't do that. Don't do that. 
Dale. Wow, this is yes. Oh, we did it. You're in Louisiana. We did it. Thank you. I'll I'll be clearer. I'll have everything in order and set up a little better next time. But thanks for joining us today. And Emerson, thanks for putting it all together as always. We love you guys. Y'all stay safe.